0: Dharma, reflecting on the Dharma, than to live a hundred years with no Dharma. So this precious day that we have to practice, and uh, there have been a lot of teachings given over this retreat. We've touched into many different aspects of the path and of the teaching and of the potential of the path. And the essential thing is to integrate that in your, you know, to actualize that in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your thoughts, your speech, your actions. And this is the, this is the, the hard work. So the, the nice bit, even though it also has its challenges, you know, the great bit is going on retreat where everything's supported and... Um, we're kind of held in this beautiful Dhamma realm for a while and we get to listen to the teachings and we get to settle and, and then uh, and we maybe see things a bit more clearly we get to see some of our patterns a bit more clearly and that gives us the opportunity to change them it's not that they fall away immediately Unfortunately, It'd be nice. It'd be wonderful if every time we have an insight, then we're done, but often <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> so uh, we need to um, draw on the qualities of patience and endurance and perseverance and curiosity and interest. Faith, sadha. These these uh, qualities that they help to carry us through the many ups and downs of the spiritual journey. So I'm going to read just a few poems this morning, and the first one is the the poem of Sama. It was 25 years since I turned away from home and I hadn't had a moment's peace. I had no peace because I didn't know my own mind. Then suddenly I was shaken with dread, remembering the words of the conqueror, the Buddha. Because of the pain of things, I love to be alert. I have finished with craving. The Buddha's teaching has been done. It is the seventh day since my craving died. I had no peace because I didn't know my own mind. So this is the work. It's a humbling, it's a humbling work of getting to know our own mind. Getting to know the tendencies, the, the, the places that pull us off track, the, the whirlpools that get us spinning, and also the strengths the you might find that the, you know when you when you remember to align your mind in the right way there's clarity for some people in the room there's clarity and then there's a habit of not staying there so then we kind of like the old story of who I am and what I can do and what I can't do comes back and we lose that clarity so know that the story is not going to take you where you want to go and the clarity brings you back here where the truth is so this, this present moment where the truth, where the Dhamma arises right here and right now timeless inviting us to come and see for ourselves leading inwards leading onwards I like the both and with with that, leading inwards and onwards, to be experienced individually by the wise. That we ourselves have to know it for ourselves. You know, we can have teachers and guides, but we need to know that truth. We need to realise that truth for ourselves, each of us. So, um, you know, in this context of the retreat, it's easier to see. You know, we can we can see more clearly often than when we're back in the um in the environment of our daily life where there are old triggers, things that, you know, suddenly you find yourself behaving like a teenager or or like your mother or, you know, whatever. Because those triggers get get pressed. So in this context here we have a chance to see without all of the stirring up, without so much stirring up. And the more we can see and the more we can take care of that now, the, the greater capacity we have when we leave the retreat setting and go back into our regular lives. We have greater capacity and greater understanding to meet those old triggers with, with a new awareness, a new recognition, a freshness so we don't have to just keep on going around the same old circles again and again and, uh, and then she was, uh, sama she says suddenly I w- then suddenly i was shaken with dread remembering the words of the conqueror i find this really interesting suddenly i was shaken with dread remembering the words of the buddha you know i think why would you be shaken with dread remembering the words it would be great you know and it's like no the dread is Oh my goodness, you know, the Buddha has shown the way out, and and I'm just doing the same old stuff over and over again. So this is um this is that that kind of dread or that, that sense of kind of horror of, of just perpetuating the same old, same old, is a wholesome, painful feeling. So this is a wholesome, painful feeling. And that painful feeling Leads us further on. It, it draws us closer to truth. So some painful feelings, are, you know, telling us to keep away from something. This painful feeling is also doing that. It's saying, keep away from those perpetual stories, from those old habit reactions, from the defending me and mine, and align one's your heart and your life with. Uh, with those qualities of letting go, of uh, seeing clearly, of cultivating the wholesome. And it's a, it's a practice. It's a whole life practice. And I have to say it one more time, you know, better to live that way for one day than to live for a hundred years without practicing the Dhamma, without paying attention to the Dhamma, Let me read another version of Sama. So this is Charles Hallisay's translation. My name may mean one who has peace of mind, but I'm not aware of ever having had any peace of mind even though it has been 25 years since I went forth. So this woman's got, she's got grit, she's got determination. No peace of heart, no control over my mind. I began to fear the inevitable after remembering the teaching of the conqueror. The end of craving has been achieved by me and what the Buddha taught is done. Because of delight in diligence prompted by the many things that are nothing but suffering. Today is the seventh night since craving was destroyed for me. And this is the poem of Dira. And it's... uh, it's again a, 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 a verse that was given by the Buddha to her and that became her own. The name you are called means self-reliance, Dira. So know these for yourself. Cessation, the stilling of projections, happiness, attain Nirvana. Unsurpassed safety from all that holds you back. The name you are called means self-reliance, dearer. So know these for yourself. Cessation, the stilling of projections, happiness. Attain nibbana, unsurpassed safety from all that holds you back. I love that translation, the stilling of all projections. That's something to contemplate. Um, I think I won't read that one. And uh, the third poem I want to share with you is so we've had to, the poem of Tissa, and this is another Tissa, so somebody of the same name. Tissa, hold fast to good things don't let the moment escape those who end up in hell cry over moments now past so i hesitated at sharing that one with you because of the hell word but uh, you know in buddhist cosmology there are hells and there are heavens and there are various realms none of them are permanent and uh, they they're all part of a cycle that uh, the, the mind stream migrates around and around these different realms this is in the Buddhist cosmology and uh, yes last night um, we are talking about the cutting the first three fetters stream entry so uh, once that has once that level of clarity has been reached there's no more inclination towards any of the lower realms whether they're hell realms or hungry ghost realms which is like an addiction realm or animal realms so the animal realms sometimes they're described as um, realms where one is just concerned with food, sex and sleep um, but I recently came across a, a, um, a different version which was saying the animal realms is where you don't have a sense of humour there's no sense of humour <laughs> <laughs> So oh, that's kind of sweet, cool. Um, the realm of fear. Yes, it's true. Actually, when you live it, when you live in nature, you see that the that the birds and the animals, everyone's watching out all the time, watching out, watching out, watching out, watching out. So, so for for a stream entry, you no longer your mind is not inclined towards those states. So these realms. You know, in the, in the Buddhist cosmology, they're definitely um, presented as realms, you know, not just as mind states. But one can also relate to them as mind states. They both work. Um, so the mind is no longer inclined towards fear or, or um, survival, just pure survival, or, um, you know, that addiction, endless craving, or the... the, the Harmful things that would would take us into a hell realm, and uh, the inclination is towards the human realm or or to the the heavenly realms, which are more uh, which are, which are many and 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 very blissful. And then I'm going to read, Mary um reimagine reimagining of another Tisa's poem. Find your true home on the path. Find the path right here in the center of your own heart. If you keep searching in the past and searching in the future, you will search and search, but your searching will never end. Find your true home on the path. Find the path right here in the center of your heart. If you keep searching in the past and searching in the future, you will search and search, but your searching will never end. So this points to that uh, endless migration, which is another way of, you know, the word samsara basically means that. It means this endless migration always, uh, you know, identifying oneself from the past or projecting oneself into the future with hopes and fears or regrets. And, uh, so in a way, it's, it's, you know, the Buddha is really in, inviting us to try and experience the world without this wanting and not wanting. So we can think of the past and then we have regrets about the past. There's, a, there's an aversion there, there's a not wanting, wishing things were other than how they were. There can be like a habit of going back, well, if this had happened, if only that had been that way, and if you hadn't said so and so, and it's like, well, it doesn't help. Unless it's uh, from a kind of clear discerning, you know, if, you, if you're reflecting, like, oh yeah, that was a mistake, and I'll learn from that, that's helpful. But if it's just going back and, well, why did you do that, and that's wrong, and that should never have happened. No, it's happened already. So that's uh, bringing aversion or ill will to our past memories. Or fear of the future, that's bringing aversion to an idea of the future. Or it, it might be like rosy memories of the good old days, of how wonderful it all used to be. You know, that's kind of bringing greed to the, to the past. Because it was, you know, there were good times and bad times, like always. It was a mix. And the future, if we're always hoping for something, oh, then it's, you know, I'll get away from this moment and I'll get to that really great experience in the future. Once I can get away from this difficult thing, this annoying person or this whatever it is, and then, then it'll be really good in the future. So that's greed projected into the future. So we can do that which is a, a sort of an endless cycle or we can I just want to read that again actually. Oh. or we can find the path right here in the centre of our own heart so it's both in the centre of our heart and it's here and now both of those things together and uh, when we're really fully with this the more we can really be fully with the present experience the more reveals itself it's, it's quite remarkable actually and you may have tasted that on the retreat now you know, when the, when the mind can really settle in the present it's, uh, things open up Brightness, clarity, insight. So if we keep looking to the future or going back to the past, we're caught, we haven't quite arrived yet. We're not quite here. We can't quite do the work that needs to be done. It requires arriving right here in this body, as it is in this time, in this situation. And that arriving has to happen again, and again, and again, and again, and again. So just watch out for those uh, tendencies of the mind to want to run ahead, or want to push away the present for something better, or different, more interesting. And the tendency to create one's history it's very interesting how history can be it, it's it's such a uh, you know we, we have history and it feels real and this is my history and but it's really depends on how you look so I remember once early in my monastic life um, in a a long retreat, and and this sort of, my history unfolded during one longish meditation of, it was like all of these really difficult, all of this really difficult stuff that had happened. And so there was just this playing out of this story of a painful, difficult 20-something years. And then in another meditation, the same life story, my life story, played out in a completely different way. And it's like all of the good things that had happened, all of the blessings, all of the... It's like, oh, (laughs) they're both true, actually. (laughs) You know? So those stories we create, they're always limited. then they're always partial. So right now we have this amazing good fortune to have heard the Dhamma. Goodness knows how many hundreds of years we have been not having, you know, lived not having heard the Dhamma. So we've heard the Dhamma, we have, we have access to the Dhamma. Here as a Sangha in this retreat and also, you know, online when we're out of retreat and maybe in community and through books, there's a lot of access. Amazing time to be alive in that respect. So we have this, uh, this opportunity and uh, and then we have to pay attention to what's needed here. You know, is there a lot of is there a lot of uh, harshness and criticism? Are we hard on ourselves? Then we need to soften that with met uh, uh, patience, kindness. Uh, or are we a little bit lazy, a little bit like you know, really like the comfort? I you know, want to be. I don't want to make it too uncomfortable. Then we need to like, make a little bit of an edge. Sharpen it up. So the opportunity is here, always. It's always here. And these teachings, you know, that, that we've been given, that they're, they're pointing to the the awakened ones. And we might feel like, oh well, I'm not, you know, I'm never going to get there. So let's just not bother. But those. These stories are so precious because they remind us that it is possible for for, for all sorts of people. And you know, there are some teachings that say—I I don't think you find it in the Theravada—but there are some teachings that say, you know, you have to kind of cultivate for countless lifetimes before you got the merits in order to gain some realization. And then people hear that and they're like, "Oh gosh, you know." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> who knows how much practice we've been doing already. We don't know, unless you can remember your past lives. We, we don't know. So here we are with this imperfect tool that we have here. Now we're all imperfect. And we all have enough. We have enough to practice. My first teacher was a... The first person I really felt was a, was a teacher to me was a, a Thai eight precept nun who used to visit the monastery where I lived, uh, Amravati, where I said she and I both lived. And uh, we had a sort of special connection for that time. And uh, my, when I was given my name Ananda Bodhi, so that when we ordain we're given a new name, um, I attended as she was giving a teaching just with a small group of nuns. And, and as she was giving this teaching... At some point, I kind of lost what she was saying. I didn't quite follow. And, uh, and then she carried on, and she was t- teaching for quite a while, and, and then I kind, of, I kind of lost the key piece, and then I, I couldn't really get it. And, and everybody else was getting more and more bright and more and more excited, and, more and, more, and I was, like, barely able to stay awake because I was feeling really <laughs> terrible. And, and, and at the end, I was like, oh, God, you know, maybe it's hopeless, you know. And, and, um, and then she, she looked at me and she said, Ananda dee and uh, so in Thai, dee means good enough. So she's like Ananda, good enough. Ananda poor You know, it's not might not be perfect, it might not be brilliant, but good enough, good enough. So I think we have to, you know, see what what's good enough here. Good enough for the practice. Good enough to keep going. Good enough to not give up on this very, very precious opportunity and that and good enough is, is really, really is good enough it really is enough and I think that's one of our um, for many people this, this idea that we're not enough we're not there's something wrong there's something missing we're not whole we can't really do it those other people and, and we particularly you know, it's easy to project onto us up here you know <coughs> They can do it, but we can't. And so, no one, none of us are, are, are perfect yet. <laughs> none of us are perfect, but we're good enough. We couldn't have sat through this retreat if we were not good enough to do this, to, to practice this path. So, just take that to heart and keep going, moment by moment. And every time we get lost, you know, we do. We get lost, we get pulled off track, we get the hindrances take over, we start doubting ourselves, and we get lost in greed or whatever it may be. We can always start again. This is the beauty of the path. We can always start again. And if we do something that's really harmful, we get the lash back from that. And if we're fortunate, it's said, as a, it's said to be a, a, a sign of... Um, advancement on in one's practice if you if you do something harmful and really quickly you get the lash back so that's a good thing so if that happens you know learn to open to that and just like okay yeah that's i did that and this is mm-hmm, this is the result you know when when there's a big gap in between what we do and, and the result of it it's harder to learn from so uh you know, the, the, it can all be part of what guides us back to living, fr- basically living the Eightfold Path, living from a, a place of um, integrity and steering away, veering away from the, um, the greed and the hatred and the confusion. And it will come and take over from time to time. And then we start again. And each time we start again, whether it's in a meditation or whether it's a big thing in your life appreciate that, appreciate the fact that you've seen it appreciate the fact, don't don't flagellate yourself for having gone off track appreciate the fact that you've seen it and you're back on track this is very important so we encourage ourselves along the path imperfect as we are And uh, we've given many tools, you know, many different practices because there are many different people in the room. And uh, I hope over this time you've found some um, access, you know, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And trust that also. You know, we, we kind of, well, the Buddha really lays out a palette of possibilities and then you need to work out, figure out what works. And what works today may be different to what works in a year's time. So it's it's a constant checking in. You know, sometimes we wish it was just like, you just do this, you do that, an automatic pilot, and then you get there. But the the path is kind of designed to require our constant checking in, our constant attention and assessment. So I'd like to... Stop there and leave us all to sit quietly with whatever tool is most useful for us at this time. So it's movement, meditation. Uh, And we have our last. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.